text going on in the background. <laughs> There's definitely sex going on on that TV. What's uh, Danielle watching there? Yeah, the yeah the. Hey, Corey, you want the sex sounds to come through on the mic? Wait. Yeah, I, that's why. That's why I thought you guys were hearing it, but then I could see clearly that you can see it. <laughs> Look at uh, that! Who's who's doing it back there? Is that, is that Fifty Shades of Grey? Uh, it's the it's the show The Affair with uh, Nick oh. Nolte from oh. The Wire. Oh yeah, he's awesome. Holy he's hot. and um. And then I don't even know who the hell else is in it. Oh, it's it's the um, the the main antagonist from Luther, with um, if you ever see that on the oh, BBC yeah. with um, Luther's such a great Elba, show. It's the it's the like the, the redheaded woman. I can't. Yeah, remember the redheaded woman. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's yeah. the two of them just totally banging it just out just, on on the TV. Get it. Oh, and Maura Tierney from a uh, uh, famed show uh, News hey. Radio. Danielle's Fantastic. Getting- all Daniel's right. uh getting down. So all right. Great. This adds extra entertainment for this podcast. All right. So cold open, more like a hot open. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the 551 podcast. My name is Wes Berdine. I am joined by Mark Fangmeyer, Rodrigo Sanchez Javaria, and back fresh off, uh, uh, minty fresh off his trip from to England and Scotland, Corey Shreppel. You visited the White Hart Inn in Edinburgh. Yep. It was, uh, it was the multiverse. Uh, Wes was there. Um, long locks, Arsenal fan. Um, yeah, it was uh our our friend uh friend of this podcast uh Tim Super Rookie was there the next day. Really? Cuz he sent me a photo and he's like, "Hey, I'm going to visit this place." And I was like, "Corey was just there." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so funny cuz we were cuz we were in Edinburgh for 2 days. We ended up going there. I don't think we ate there, but we definitely went in late night on a Sunday night and it was perfect like some old ass scottish dude like singing folk songs and was it the straightest soccer bar you've ever seen well it wasn't a soccer bar oh. i'll tell you that oh, um <laughs> it was a calcio I mean, if- calcio bar <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wait Corey, did you walk into the uk version of the halftime wreck that's what it sounds like because once a night is ira song night over at the halftime wreck <laughs> is it really no we uh we we um we did walk around and uh, see a bunch of Harry Potter stuff and tried to figure out where uh, J.K. Rowling's turfiness comes from, but couldn't quite find the source. Mm. Um, well, welcome back. Uh, you got to see Liverpool Spurs 1-1 one, yep. one draw. Fun. Uh, it was a blast. The Anfield was incredible. Um, young Min son, he scored right in front of us. Uh if you know there's if if any spurs player was going to score at anfield that i could you know a uh, witness does a rainbow just follow above him everywhere he runs man i pitch? tell you what literally every player on that pitch and every coach from every team was just smiling and hugging that dude like jurgen klopp just <laughs> hugging son right after the the whistle did I he was really just like yeah like like <laughs> hugging him like tight and 
son was just like nuzzling into clapped bosom. Um, don't get, don't like, get too close there, Sonny. That's what I wanted for my birthday, but it yeah. didn't happen. Well, so. welcome back. Uh, we, we missed you. We survived without you. Um, uh, I, I will, I will say uh, last bit when we were taking the train from London to Liverpool, we ended up on the Spurs party bus oh, car yeah. on the train. And uh, they were definitely taking down some Peronis. And uh, right before we got off at Liverpool, a Spurs fan definitely shit himself. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's, was, that's that was that it. was actually Eric Dyer. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I texted I texted one of my one of my coworkers uh, and who lives in London, and he was just like, "Welcome to England." <laughs> That's well, not much different. So we're yeah, gonna but. we're gonna talk about um, Minnesota United uh, had two matches this last week. Uh, I guess three, if you consider splitting them, three match days at least. Um, and but before then, we're gonna hit the good, the bad, and the weird. The good here, we've got the Barcelona women. They had a perfect season, and a perfect season means that they had thirty wins, no losses, no draws. Um, Congratulations! Uh, what was and, their and and selling out the stadiums like all the time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, wasn't it like ninety k people, ninety some thousand people at the, some of the matches? It's yeah. incredible. Um, I'm, I want to look up the table because I want to see their <laughs> anyone. No one look. What do you think their final goal differential was? Everyone guess. Just throw out a number. Oh, plus, it had to be plus seventy five, plus ninety. Rodrigo, uh, it's plus thirty two. <laughs> One hundred forty eight. <laughs> That's how you do it. That's how you do it, lady. Look, look, you got to think about this, though. Like, literally, like, three years ago, when, like, women's soccer in Europe was beginning to become more of a market that people were watching and people were investing in, right? Uh, Like, Barcelona wasn't even considering one of the top teams, right? And now you look at it now, three years later, and boom, like, they're selling out 90K stadiums. They're blowing people out left and right. And then they ha- you have a final, right, with... Uh, who's the team that they play? Is it, it's not Chelsea. It's uh, Is it Chelsea? No. What's the... Uh, the, the oh, Olympic uh, Lyon. Lyon. Yeah, they're playing Lyon. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, next week, right? And the, the, just... the big traditional uh, powerhouse of, of yep. women's soccer in Europe. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just hoping that Aurora gets close to that. They only have 12 games, so it'll be a little tough to get to that goal differential, but you gotta, you gotta aim for something. Um, other, other soccer news. We've got, um, Houston dash added a former loon, Matt Lampson as a goalkeeping coach. And then, um, Chelsea won the women's FA cup. Sam Kerr scored in the 105th minute. Anyone watch this? Yeah, no, this is actually, um, um, a game is actually, you can still watch it, still on ESPN. <laughs> so uh, if you want to watch, but overall, it's like, um, it was a back and forth game. And um, was it Kelso, right? Is it uh, Haley Russell? That's right. Literally ties it within the like 90 something minutes or the 80th minute where like the ball that's kind of like crossed into them. And then they kind of like chest strap it, but touch it enough just to fall in front of their lap. And then boom, just back the net. 
And then on a counter, Sam Kerr at 105th minute shoots a shoots a low ball that the keeper tries to get out, and it just goes into the goal. And like you can literally tell all you can you can see all the uh, um, other team just fall like Man City uh, just totally fall to the ground because it's been like but. You know, it's one of these like matches like that that you really want to watch from the beginning to end, just because it's just like it's all action, and like Chelsea is 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 again the top, the defending champion. But God, how much fun it is to watch Sam Kerr score goals! I miss that in the NWSL. <laughs> um, other news. Good news is that Blackpool's 17-year-old forward Jake Daniels uh, today on Monday um, announced uh, came out as the he's so he, he is the only openly gay male professional uh, soccer player in the UK. Um, attaboy, Jake, 17-year-old having that much. I don't know the younger generations. It's way much more just like ready for it and primed for it. So good, good to see that from Jake. The bad is um, the UK government says it's alarmed that Abramovich is refusing to accept their proposed sale of uh, Chelsea, which is, I don't know why they would be alarmed. The other bad news here is that uh, Rangers apparently think that Sevilla are a Mexican club because they've oh my they've, God. they've got the uh, Europa League final this Wednesday, 2 p.m., Blackheart of St. Paul, we're going to do it. I know that David Smith, uh, noted Lake Monster, is going to be uh, taking off work for it. And but they they, what, what did the picture? What did it? What was the caption? I know it was just a soccer ball with a sombrero, but uh, there was a the, lot. The caption was uh, "Next up, Sevilla." That's yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a soccer ball with a sombrero. Yeah. It's, well, I, the, the, best, the best part of it was the replies where everyone was like uh, waving at them like they were Irish and uh, and calling <laughs> calling them <laughs> right, English, right, right. Yeah. posting like the England flag like welcome. Yeah, right. to yeah. <laughs> I just I just love that Spanish people are mad at someone thinking they're the right wrong person and then you know the same thing that they, sometimes they do to other people. So but I, I love the irony in the whole thing. So. Uh, the the weird is the weird and the good is that uh, Marcelo, not the Marcelo, but another Marcelo, was dropped from Lyon's first team for um, farting. Apparently, his farts were so bad, and he was so um, he found it so funny that he was actually dropped from the team. So I mean, I mean, everyone knows that farts are funny. I, that just seems like poor form, right? Right. So from Lyon. So props to. Uh, friend of the podcast, Eric, because he sent this to me and it was like, so he gets dropped during, he. so let's, the, a, a coach, not a coach, but the captain is giving a speech and during the speech, he's farting and laughing at it uh, to the point that he gets dropped from the first team and actually had to go ahead and play with the reserve team. And so like, I thought the nutmeg wrote this article for the first time I read this because I like I really couldn't see it. So I want to know what the passing gas policy is going to be at Aurora during matches. <laughs> is that something that you're going to have to have type of a conversation with the coaches about? Like, is this going to be one of those unwritten rules that you cannot break? I don't know. You wind. You, you will have to. Thank <laughs> you. You will have to interview them, the coaches yourselves, and ask because I certainly am not going to ask that. Um, <laughs> so, speaking of, let's finish on the the Aurora news. We are um, basically a week and a half away from the home opener. It is almost sold out. I think the um, the numbers. I don't. 
I don't know. We, we're trying to figure out our policies of what we're ever going to say about it. But I'm pretty sure we are definitely on track to, to sell out completely, which is pretty fantastic. I think we've made made even more tickets available than usual for this one. So, um, yeah, it's pretty damn cool. Uh, it's fun looking at the NWSL uh, attendance from last weekend and realizing that we could be um, we could be fourth on that on that list. So please come out for that. That's going to be very exciting. Um, I got to see some some people got to see an open training Sunday uh, for some season ticket holders and community um, owners, and that was just great to to see the them kicking the ball around. They were I actually didn't I had to leave early, but they were. Um, they didn't have two full squads to play. So there were three guys out there um, filling in the the squads. And I, I wanted to just try to lead everyone to boo the guys whenever they touched the ball. <laughs> but I, I was, I was trying to be nice, uh, but there were a couple, there was like a family behind me and they were very confused why there were men playing it. They were like, this is a women's team. Right. And I was like, uh, yes, they're just, filling in for some injuries. There's some players who still have not finished their semesters, so they're not here yet. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's all terribly exciting. And uh, please go get your tickets. Go get your grandma some tickets. And uh, and yeah, it's going to be pretty freaking cool. Let's take a break, and we will uh, come back, and we'll talk about Minnesota United FC. on the 55-1 podcast. Let's talk Minnesota United. We got some news here. Allianz Field is getting the Wayne Rooney, uh, Antonio Conte, Joe Biden plugs in there, uh, in, in the field. They're going to be installing this kind of um, system of grass that is like, they basically put some synthetic grass in w- with the, the regular grass so that it kind of keeps the roots uh, and, and keeps the turf all together. And um, I, I think basically it was inspired by how crappy the, the turf has been from the bad weather and from the U.S. men's game. And this will help them be able to put a lot more in there and hopefully, you know, some women's soccer someday. Um, so good for them. The turf has gotten a lot better. It looks a lot better right now. But, you know, sometimes you're going to have a spring where it's not spring until May 15th. So. And the science behind it is like, I'm super interested in it. Like they posted like an eight second video of them threading the the stuff into it. And I was like, dude, give me a 30 minute like ASMR documentary of this. Like that's all that I want it's right like, now. It's like, you know, like when um, the the city does work on your lawn, or like does work to like dig up a pipe and they tear up the ground. Yeah. And then they put like this blanket, like this fiber blanket on top of it. And then... yeah. All of a sudden, grass is going through. I, that's what I think of it when, it, when I'm thinking about that. It's like they have the, like this mesh that grass is going to go through, so that way it won't get ripped out. out no, I mean, this is they're actually like seeding synthetic grass deeper yeah. in. It's like it's in, all, it is like yeah. they're sewing threads of synthetic yeah. fibers down into it. it. I mean, look, we don't have any videos of our attackers scoring, so yeah. we might as well. Just produce videos of us literally watching grass grow. I did love when I saw Star Tribune wrote an article on it. It was just like, oh, there's not much going on. We gotta, yep, we gotta talk about that. Um, there is this going on, which is the U.S. Open Cup draw. We are hosting Union Omaha. Very excited. Uh, about I'm this. pretty sure it's pronounced Union. Union. Union Omaha. 
Omaha. Um, Love Bulls. They're coming May 25th. I'm very excited for this. I'm not excited for three Wednesday games in a row, but hopefully we'll have some Union Omaha fans here. And um, that's a blast because we'll talk about how much of a blast uh, we had at the Open Cup game last week. Um, Also announced, Minnesota United are going to be hosting uh, English Championship side Everton in uh, on July twentieth, so it's a very busy part of the season, and I think it's the day when there might be a Open Cup semifinal. Right? I mean, this is way more exciting than Paderborn. Um, I I do think that Everton will still be a Premier League team. I'm sure they've been trying to work toward having Everton uh, come ever since they've had the stadium. And it just emphasizes the inchy to Everton. Yeah, we, well, lots so. of people were proposing that we do like when we uh, when we sold Miguel Ibarra to Club <laughs> Leon and we played that friendly, and uh, Miguel played the first half for us and the second half in their jersey for them. That we do that with Inchi, and then he goes on and, and replaces Frank Lampard. So it's yeah, natural where we just do like a Freaky Friday thing where it's like Lindsay Lohan and Jamie Lee Curtis, except Inchi goes into Frank Lampard's body. <laughs> Wait, wait. So, uh, are we suggesting that Inchi should see the see see time in the pitch? No, no. Inchi becomes no. our head coach. We we yes. switch to that. Uh, also, I, also, that also I, thought, I thought we were suggesting that. Like, I, I was going to say, where would you start Inchi as as the first half, and then where would you start him in the second half? He would be the striker, but he has to wear Heelys, the the sneakers with the little uh, wheels on the on the <laughs> on the back. Um, Minnesota United two. Uh, played on Sunday, Sunday, Saturday, because they, they played the day before um, the big the big team played, and um, that was great. They did this uh, electronic dump tech dump at the stadium, so people got tickets if they dropped off like a used laptop, and they were very liberal about like if you want to use this for a ticket or like you can scan it twice. Don't worry. Um, so it was actually a decent crowd. It was probably a thousand people there. I thought. There was only one concession stand open, so it was definitely a long line. But it was good to see people out there, and it was a fun game. Um, Aziel Jackson scored a fantastic goal. Um, Fred, They go to penalty kicks when it's a draw, and uh, Fred Emmings made uh, a great save on a PK. And so it's good to see him out there. He's also looking like he's bulking up. He's, uh, yeah. he's drinking some protein shakes. Uh, raw yeah, eggs, muscle milk, things like that. Yep, <laughs> just lots of Ovaltine. Yep, Ovaltine. tons of it. <laughs> yeah, no. Me and Isa watched that game, and then I don't know if you guys got to watch the tweet or the audio commentary that she said after watching that game, because one find out that Isa and Fred Ennings went to the same Blackhawks striker camp one time, and Fred made fun of Isa because she was the only girl and she was short. And then I said to Isa, I was like, wait, Fred's been like six feet since he was like 14, 15. So he's like, everyone was shorter than him at, at striker camp. So, but she was Fred. happy that he got, got us to win. So, um, yeah. And I'll say also, uh, there, there's a guy, uh, Gary Leatherman, who's in one of the um, Minnesota United soccer slacks. And he, his son Carlos, plays, has been playing right back for the team. And uh, and it was really fun. It was like Carlos was pretty good in this game. He you know had one moment when he got kind of 
called out or caught out uh, defending, but he was pretty tidy and it's fun to see a 17 year old kid out there, a uh, local kid do, do pretty well. So everyone get your uh, Carlos Leatherman uh, jerseys. Now that's it for um, the news part, the watch. Someone has written Heath out watch dream on guys. Um, <laughs> let's talk about these two games. We'll talk briefly just about this open cup game against Colorado. Obviously it went uh, only 17 minutes until it was canceled that night. Uh, we went up pretty early on when it was actually Unu who had dropped really central from the wing and sent in a fantastic ball um, to, to Frank Payne who, who put it across. It was an own goal in my book for Austin mm-hmm. trustee, but um, Den Lati, I think officially got it. And then minutes later, uh, bad rapids free kick gets uh, recycled and, and uh, put back in and the loons fell asleep. Then we all fell asleep in the rain. And then the next day, one of the greatest things ever uh, was they played the, played the rest of the game at 1 PM. And there was a solid, like, Maybe 300 people in that stadium, Mark, uh, right? Yeah. I mean, there's what, maybe at most 30 or 40 in the supporter section. Which means that literally every word that we said was not only heard by the goalkeeper, but apparently even just things that we were talking about, not even yelling, were were very audible on the ESPN feed <laughs> because at one point... uh at one point, they did unplug the microphone, um, and then, and uh, at one point, people were tweeting like, "Oh, were you just yelling about this?" And I said, "Oh yeah, what should I yell about next?" And it was like, "Yell about the Denver airport." So then I yelled about the Denver airport, and then people were like, "Oh my god, I just heard you yell about the Denver airport." <laughs> so <clears throat> we had a great time heckling Clint Irwin, who I haven't had joy like that. Yeah. Since I don't know, like as far as soccer matches go, like that had like just the oh, the wonder and beauty of like early NASL days. Like it was especially because the people who were there it, by the end of the game, it was so joyous. Everyone was like, "Great job, guys! You did an amazing job here heckling that guy." Um, we we started calling him Old Dutch because he likes chips so much. He likes to get chipped by Darwin Quintero. Um, he he never took long goal kicks. He would only have Keegan Rosenberry come up with him so he could pass short to him. So then we started um, cheering buddy system. And um, it was like, buddy system. Da, 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 da. And then at some point, he like gave in and took a, a long goal kick. And it was like, went right to our team. And it was like, it was like one of these moments where it's like, I'm going to tell my grandchildren that I and a bunch of like 30 of my friends we we started bullying a guy named Old Dutch into taking a long goal kick by basically getting a bunch of us to to bully him, and so it's great. It's a top moment for me in my life. Congratulations to us uh, on mm-hmm. bullying him. Congratulations to Reynoso for uh, putting the game away with a fantastic Maisie goal. We we had actually moved out of the supporter section to be behind Clint Irwin in the beer garden section, and uh, it, it was it was great. So nice work, everyone. Uh, yeah. Let's let's talk about the. Do you have anything to add, Mark? Um, no, against again, Reynoso really saved us though because had he not scored that, we would have gone into extra time down a man, and that would not have been good considering the number of games we have coming up and everything. So kudos to him for saving us. At the same us time, and- we all wanted them to go to PKs because I know, I we, really knew, did. we knew that we knew the pain we could inflict. Yeah, uh, but I did have to go pick up my kids and. Uh, 
is only so much day drinking you can do uh, as a responsible adult. Uh, Seattle versus Minnesota United. Um, we can go through parts of this. I will say the end result of this game is pretty negative. Um, and I think we have a lot of frustrations. But the first half was not that bad. We finished the expected goals was 0.84 for us, 0.9 for them. Um, I thought, you know, we saw some real positive stuff with Robin Ludd up top as the false nine. I thought Frank, uh, Frank Payne was actually pretty decent in the first half. We'll talk about how the fact that he apparently has a contract deal where he is not allowed to shoot the ball. Um, but he, you know, he, in that like 11th minute, he uh, received Ray's pass. He drives in, sends it to Lud, and sets up the goal, and, or sets up a shot that goes just wide because of how he kind of really connected with Ray and Lud. The three of them were really vibing. I don't know, like Dinladi was on the outside. It was like, um, it was like coming to a a a couple, like a a sex couple swap, and like one person's like the odd King man solo. Out. Yeah, it's like, all right, I'm going to go hang out over here. Um, because that's that's an analogy that everyone knows, right? It's a very familiar familiar analogy. It's like when you're doing a, the swinging thing with yeah, the sex, you, and you yeah. show up with your partner, and then you switch partners, but then someone shows up without a partner, and it's just awkward for them because they don't have any partners to switch with. Thanks, Mark. Yep. <laughs> so we've got like the 34th minute. It's... Reynoso to Fragapane to Lud to Reynoso to Fragapane and then Fragapane um, sends it in. It's not a great pass, um, but Nuhu gets the ball and kind of fumbles it and Lud pounces and it's a great, great goal. Um, Lud had had two really close chances in this that were set up by that great interchange. But I think that this goal also was like a harbinger of like, or a, a prelude to all the missed chances that we had because we just couldn't, um, couldn't shoot, you know, and we were just passing to one another, trying to find the perfect moment. And, um, it, it it's just wasteful. Um, so that was, a, that was a good moment, but also kind of a bad moment because there were all the other missed chances. Our defense was terrible, um, throughout this game. Midfield was, uh, was invisible. Coleman was really bad. Dunlady was really bad. I mean, the the thing I I was on my way back to Minnesota, so I was I was watching on my phone uh, periodically, and literally every time that Seattle was attacking, it's it's like uh, Kamar Lawrence and um, Fisher just did didn't know where to be or who to cover on the overlapping runs or, you know, Debasi was coming out way too far or, and Coleman was doing God knows what. And it's like, there's, it's just chaos in the box and there's, you know, we're not, we're not holding our shape defensively and we're not trying to set offside traps on set pieces. It's just like all of these fundamentals that you would think that, professional soccer players would have have been thrown out the window. And and I don't know if it's because they don't, they haven't played with each other a long time. I think we take for granted how familiar our back line was with each other when it was Roman, uh, Boxy, Debasi, and uh, Chase. But even then, it's like 
there, there's so many missing fundamentals with how you defend or how we're telling them to defend. But I don't think it's just the back line, right? I think it's, right. I think it's also, yeah, yeah. if you, you're, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about like this game only had one major starter from last year. Yep. Um, in the, the back line. And then you have Will Trap and Ariaga. So like Will Trap and Debasi were the only two starters from last year. Yep. And, yep. and it, and it, and it's familiarity with each other, but still, again, there's, and and this might transition into conversation about management tactics, whatever, but like, what is going on? You know, it's like people aren't talking to each other and communicating about who to cover and when, and, you know, maybe that was some of the leadership that Ozzy had. Maybe that, you know, Boxel is, I've been a little critical of him this year with a couple of, you know, with the way that he covers things in the box, but you know, he's, you know, maybe, maybe that's the presence that we're missing. Like his, his ability to, to direct that back line and, and kind of take that leadership role. It's just, it's, it's just so sloppy. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the thing too, is like, if you look at that back line that, that they had to play, it's like, you, you can't, uh, you can't um, really talk about, um, who really is the leader? You have a young goalkeeper who's trying to learn, right? Uh, your one true leader uh, is out sick. And so then the bossy has really not really stepped into that role that very well. And um, you, you have two, two fullbacks that are, that, that are just trying to get used to playing in a system that um, is yet to open up them for a sense. And then you have, you know, someone like Ozzy, who we would have had last year, who could, you know, really command and step in right he would be the one that would come back and take the ball from the boss he would be the connecting pass from the back and 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 that um that role has been interchanged for whoever is playing in the will trap or ariaga and it hasn't truly been solidified who's more comfortable doing that kind of thing which is which is you know it's important to figure out right because in that way the other person is 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 more willing to to press forward and be that outlet and Sometimes I feel we get bogged trying to figure out who will play better on that and in, in, in that role of picking up the ball as a, a kind of like the fourth or the fifth uh, defender that, that gets the ball going, but we just can't seem to find the right connection. And, and with that, it's like, you know, thinking about Ozzy and, and thinking about like the kind of role that he had, he was kind of like the, Reno, the Reynoso of the defensive half, right? You know, where it's like he was playing centrally, collecting the ball, driving it forward, and then he would hand off to Ray, and then Ray would take it from there. We're not seeing that as much. Ariaga is trying to do some of that, but Will Trap is also trying to do some of that. And right, and Ariaga is still them, new to the league, right? I mean, correct. he's he's done amazingly well so far, but we shouldn't forget that because he was not good in this game. No. Um, we shouldn't forget that. For for international players, there is a betting in period, and yeah. um, and he also dyed his hair weirdly. This like, uh, um, I think I believe that he just is a big Aurora fan, and he was going with the teal. Yeah. So, oh, see, I, I thought he I was thought trying he was to match the. I thought he was trying to match like the river kit, but just did not work out well. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wonder what what tone what Pantone color he brought into the uh, to the. It, it uh, was it was pupusa's blue. Yeah. Okay. You know? <laughs> never eaten was that, was that, was, that a, was that a pupusa with like the like uh ice flavor gatorade that's just no, I, I was just trying to connect the the whole fact that you know you know um Roldan suggested 
to the extra time folks to go eat pupusas and a certain person couldn't spell pupusas right. And so I think maybe Ariaga caught hold of that episode and finally understood it. And then he was like, you know what? I need to represent my homeland. So there we go. Oh, man. You know what? Andrew Wiebe will be here in person in three months for you to internet bully in person. Uh, uh-huh. I was just talking this, to This him. is coming from you. <laughs> I mean, can we all agree that when Andrew Weeby comes here, like you know, like the giant heads, can we print one off of the giant head doing his like O face when he's shooting the champagne? Well, we're trying. Oh, yes, God. absolutely. We can heckle him. We were just we. I was talking to him on the phone today because we were trying to plan some events for uh, MLS week, and uh, he was like, "If we do something, how many people will show up?" And I was like, "Man, it's Minnesota. Fifty people or two hundred fifty people? I have no effing <laughs> clue." I w- but I was like, you know what? Everyone's so neglected here that I feel like if you tell them the realtors are going to show up, uh, then they're excited. And his response was like, Oh man, we should do like, we should really do this realty thing. And I was like, Hey, I know some realtors who can sponsor it. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm, we'll talk, mm-hmm. we'll talk Nate can Pence. You, do you think you can get a, a, a mural on the, on the backside, on the alley side, <laughs> that is Andrew Wiebe shooting his champagne. Guys, <laughs> I actually guys, we could. I'm pretty sure it would be covered <laughs> up by the city. I'm I'm wondering how if I got a mural artist and was like just I just need it to be like three feet by three feet, I will pay Wait, you. Can you use your garbage can? Can you p- put the mural on the garbage can? I probably can. Yeah, yeah. but that, but then the the yeah. So anyway, we do have a we do have a secret alley wall. I'm pretty. I if we can cover it up, then the neighbors won't be too upset. But um, this is a good idea, Corey. Um, if we could surprise them with that and then have them like, then everyone would be like coming into that alley and checking out all the weird. And also, if trash. the mural is next to your dumpster. Yeah. <laughs> oh, great. That's what I was talking. Oh. Use the oh dumpster. That's good. Do you, good do, you stuff. Have, do you have a hose? Do you have a hose hookup back we there do, actually, that you can yeah. just turn on and yes. spray it out? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> good, good ideation right. session, good. everyone. Yeah, great work, everyone. Uh, hit us up in the replies with uh, all your other ideas. Moral of the story is this game was terrible. Let me let me bring up this. I'm going to skip over just the rest of my notes here and go to Matt Doyle had a really great, insightful bit about Minnesota, and we were discussing some of it online. We'll get to some of it in the Twitter questions. Um, But he said, basically, so with Minnesota, look at this progression. Via, he says, with the data, in 2020, they pressed 99.7 times per game outside their defensive third. In 2021, it was 102.6. In 2022, they're at 117.5 presses per game we'd kind of talked about this earlier in the season a little bit in terms of how much they're further up and how much they're actually successfully turning over the ball or forcing for forcing turnovers and getting interceptions high up but the, the question i have is i hadn't really put this back to what we had been talking about these previous weeks that basically basically the whole season which is obviously by the 60th minute you can see that our team is gassed in this game we were pretty decent the first half. Second half, we were just overmatched. They quickly got a penalty from Will Trapp deciding to like, you know, John Woo movie, like jump into the box and grab uh, Roldan's shoulder. Um, but we're after that, we were just very tired. And and that maybe seems to be when we are talking about 4-4-2, 4-2-3-1, 5, you know, 
whatever, maybe that is actually something we should think more about, which is not so much the shape on the pitch, but how that's being employed, which is very much higher up and very much pressing. And um, you get exhausted doing that. And maybe that is also leading to the fact that that kind of pressing and the quick turnover is not how we can effectively build. I, I don't know. This is a, a working theory now that I'm, I'm working on. Well, yeah, go ahead, Mark. No, I agree. And, and the thing is, there's two things about this for me is that one, I understand like you want to press, but when you don't have the personnel on your roster to be an effective pressing team for long periods of time, because you invested your money in your DPs, in your strikers, who are not like Amar, like Amaria, he's not a presser. Unu, definitely not going to be good at pressing. No. And they're just not there. So Unu's good you're... with a French press. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Or yeah. a duck press, too, probably. I mean, go very gourmet. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, like I said, so we just don't have the personnel there. So that we, we physically can't do it for sustained periods of time. And also, when we do get pressure and we do turn the ball over, we're not utilizing those situations to actually score. And we're not completing any sort of, and we're not actually turning that into goal scoring opportunities. We're just turning over and then kind of dribbling again, too many passes or just taking a shot from too far out. We're just, we're not being or, or, or we're sending it back about what we're build, doing with that. Or, or we're sending it backward to build out of the back again. Yeah. You know, it's, th- there's no forward momentum. And, and the thing that I'll say, like, this is, I think this is, this is probably the biggest issue that we're having is that, yeah, we are trying the high press and we're getting exhausted and we don't have an alternative when everyone is out of gas, but also when, when you look at like just the math of the midfield, especially if you're going to do the double pivot in a four, two, three, one, and you're going to have your three, four attackers doing a ton of your pressing you're leaving your six and your eight. And usually, you know, like an Ariaga is trying to press with a Reynoso. Yeah. You're, but- you're, you're, you're outmatched in terms of your back line, especially if you have your fullbacks getting forward too, which we like, you know, it's just an overload. And when the, uh, when we inevitably turn the ball over or have a bad shot that's deflected and then is a, ends up being a turnover, you already have six guys going in the other direction and that leads to bad decisions by a Will Trap and a Brent Coleman. So well, there were, there I don't were know multiple yeah. times in this game where I went back through and I paused it and oh look, it's 3v3 in the box for them. It's 4v2, etc. Um it, it, we were just completely overtaken and you don't see that as often for us of exploiting them and now all of a sudden you've got uh 3v2 um if you do then you've got franco fragapane who gets the ball and then he will just play with his dinghy all night long or or the or the one great counter that we had where we did have an overload and it was like four it was 4v2 yeah 4v2 you give it to amaria and he just goes yeah and he just dribbles dribbles it backwards when you had I don't even remember it wasn't even a dribble he somehow tried to do like a back heel pass to nobody I don't know and I don't and I don't even know who was on the left wing at that point I think it was Bongi maybe but it was like 
whoever was running, I, I don't even remember. I was so infuriated by it, but I, like, I don't even know if it was Reynoso who was carrying the ball forward and sprayed it to Amaria out to the right. And then, but which was clearly the the least good decision to make there when you had Bongier, whoever was on the left in open space, who could at least help you get more bodies into the box and then cut it back across. It's just, it's just a shit show, man. Yeah. So I, I do think that that is one thing that we do need to see change. We need to see the amount of pressing move back, move the line of engagement back and and move the amount, change the amount that we are trying to like turn that ball over. Cause we're just exhausting our players because we don't rotate that much. And, um, right. And, and you know, it's, it's, and we don't, it's not we working. don't want to use, uh, we don't want to use other, other people in the positions that can come in and at least not have that much drop in energy and talent. If we're going to stick with that type of press. Well, and, and it, it, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, you know, it's like I was thinking if I'm going to put people out there to press, then, you know, Ariaga has to be out there, Don Lari, uh, um, Bongi, and then maybe, um, you know, uh, someone else who's, who's younger from the, from the, from the Dos Loons, someone else to be able to bring up. And if you, if you really are going to engage that aspect of pressing, then you're just going to do it. You need to have the personnel that can give you that energy, or else it's not, it's just, it's just not. It's just not worth it. The other thing too is that is is that when we do get those turnovers, we do not move the ball quickly enough, and there isn't enough movement in that attacking third for us to be able to make those. But Fragapani and Reynoso do so well in that first first sequence of goal. Of, of goal, the goal was there's this quick passing and it's direct and it's forward, right? It's back forward, back forward. It's like ping ponging everywhere. We need more of that, but we just can't seem to find it, right? Yeah. We can't oh. seem to find that decision. And it's. And it's like, and the other thing is like, we had the personnel. If we were if we were migrating to a to a high pressing, fast paced, you know, system, and wanting to had, use Robin Lud up top, by the way, yeah, yeah, to use Robin Lud up top, like we had a, a really direct, fast presser in Ethan Finley, and we let him go. We did not sign him, and if and if this was the model that we were moving toward, why in God's name did we let him go when he has shown over and over again last season and the season before that he will just run at defenses, whether it's vertical or he's and then he got better at some of the cutbacks and some of the angled runs right. with Reynoso. He was getting there, um, but if you're going to go for a real pressing system. He's a perfect player for this system that we have, and he's now thriving in Austin. Right, and I, and I think the thing too is that I think I, I think Heath didn't know what he had in Bongi, or what he could do with Dunlady in that sense. And now that he's seen sort of the glimpse of what he could have, he's he's just trying to push it, force it when we when when we shouldn't be forcing it so much. Hmm. All right. We are going to take a break and come back and do uh, some previews and Twitter questions. Final stretch here, folks. 
let's talk about what's coming up. This Wednesday, we host the LA Galaxy, 7 p.m. Allianz Field. We've got, you know, pregame, postgame at the Black Heart of St. Paul. And then this Sunday at 6 p.m., we can watch the away game sponsored by Prize. And uh, we're at Dallas, who are second place. So Galaxy have been doing way better than I thought they would. Dallas have been doing way, way better than I thought they would. And um, we, lowly old Minnesota United, are in 10th place. So five points back. Just slightly above Seattle. Yeah, five points back behind uh, Galaxy and a solid eight points back behind the the Dallas, behind the burn. Um, So I don't know what what to expect from these. I mean, it is a home game. I think that we should do well against Galaxy. Chase Gasper might play and... Gasper was apparently. I did not watch this game, but I don't think he had a very good game last game for the Galaxy. I I did not watch the game either. I just really wanted Chase to come back and so cheer for him because yeah. he seems like he could use it. Um, yeah. So I I I don't know. I think that the, these are two tough games, and hopefully we'll come out of it with three points from from one of them. Uh, let's do some Twitter questions here, which is. Uh, Tim Braun in the 55-1 Slack says, is Heath the GM or Heath the coach the bigger issue? And this was something that um, Matt Doyle um, proposed in, that Heath the GM was the issue, that we're, we're, the problem is the players. Um, I'll start with my thing that I put on Twitter and you guys can respond to it. The basic thing I said was that if the problem is all of these strikers have, have struggled, except for the two guys who are foxes in the box, kind of. Lude and Ramirez don't play the same way as, as strikers, but the two are clinical. Um, maybe the problem is not... I don't think the problem is Unu. I don't think the problem is Amaria. I don't think the problem is Angelo. Um, sometimes the problem is other people. But like if Kai Kamara can't score in your system, I don't know. Feels like you've got a problem there. And so that's what makes me think it's not him as a GM. I think if you look at this team, what we are lacking is um, a real way that can can uh, actually keep uh, strikers from being on an island, which too often we we basically we just have uh, two guys in the box and you're sending it across into them, and you know, good luck because there's four guys around them. And and then you have the fact that we have real distinct problems here with we've, we're missing Metonier, we're missing Ozzy, or Ozzy's gone, right? We no, we haven't replaced him, um, and we have no one on the right wing who can play because Dinladi's bad and Frank Payne has been garbage. So that's that's where I'm I'm gonna go. No, and see, I disagree with you, and like in that I. I agree with everything you just said there, but I disagree with how you're framing it, where I think okay. it is the GM thing because in a salary capped league, you only get three DPs where you can spend a shit ton of money and you need to hit those out of the park. And knowing what we know about our system and where the production comes from, looking at like when we had, when Ray first came on and we had Molino out on the wing and all that production. And then we also had Ethan Finley out on the way or Lude on the way. And like we had that and or Lude in the middle and like Ethan Finley on the way. Like the production was coming from the wing because it was set up that way. And had we invested our money in DP quality wingers for the attack versus having two DP strikers who are sitting on the bench, 
then we can be much stronger and play into our, the, where there are strengths in the system. You can play to them by investing your money where the strengths are. And that is what the GM has not done and why we're sit, having all of our DPs sit on the bench and we have Robin Lude up top when we could have Robin Lude up top and have two DPs on the wing and come in with much more scoring threats. Like you can, I think both arguments are correct. I think the, the main Heath, the GM is at odds with Heath, the coach. I think the players that we brought in real dilemma here, I think, folks, I think you can, <laughs> I think you can have a great team in a four, two, three, one configuration or whatever, what, it, you know, but there's clearly something wrong with the way that Heath is approaching it from a coaching management perspective. But I think the recruitment is right. We know that Amaria can score goals. We know that Reynoso is a magician. We know that Robin Lud is great. great. We, we saw great flashes of Fragapane last year. Like We know that we have the talent and we are clearly recruiting the right kind of talent. If you look at, if we had a different head coach who had this crop of players, if you had a Josh Wolf from who's down in Austin, you could probably do something better with this exact roster that Heath has recruited and brought in as a GM. On the flip side of that, if your head coach is saying, this is our identity, this is how we want to do it, then maybe who we're bringing in isn't the right, isn't the right talent. So like, I don't know what's going, what this Jekyll and Hyde thing is with Heath as GM and head coach. Because the players he's bringing in as a GM are good, are great, arguably. But how he's implementing them as a coach seems to be at odds with that. Or, you know, I, 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 could, I can argue both sides of this. And I don't know which one I believe more. It's, it's, it, it changes every week depending on what the, what the fucking issue is. Mark, I can buy that as a as a kind of rationale. Um, I think, regardless, the the striker position has been um, a huge focus for this team. And yeah, maybe if they just settled with an Abobasi, right, just a, a a very good MLS, but not like a not trying to knock it out of the park, but have someone who who can put balls in the back of the net, um, or even like a Jossie Zardes, right? Um, if they had like a fox in the box then they could move Lude back out and then you've got a great person on the right wing and then spend some money on Fragapane or spend some money to get a, just a solid number six or or even like a, a killer center back, right? Because we're getting age there. So I, I do think um, finding, you know, having, if we had a Mason toy um, up top, we could then like just be content with that and be content with an 11 goal um, striker and fill out the rest. So um, let me ask this Christian from uh, our, our 55 one Slack. This is not Christian Ramirez. He He's too cool for our Slack. Um, but he says, besides hoping for Metineer's return, um, what else should I look forward to in the rest of the year in hopes of staving off early onset panic? Well, Christian, I wanted to say never, never give up the panic. Always, no. always embrace the panic. Um, Keep open cup run, man. Yeah, man. That's what I'm. That's 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 where my hopes are. Like I'm not giving up on on the league, but like open cup, baby. Let's go. Let's get weird. 
Union uh, Omaha I'm, are a good team too. I mean, they were League One champion. They are definitely two steps below us, but they were the champions, and they will be very excited to be playing at Allianz Field. So, I I don't know. I mean, I I think Bongi's celebrating his first goal. It's going to be pretty something. To he was so to. close again, mm-hmm. uh, dude. Oh. And it's just like when he does it at home, that's probably going to be the most insane stadium feeling. I definitely there. said on Thursday at the Open Cup game that if Bongi scores, I might I might risk a uh, lifetime ban and just run onto that pitch. <laughs> it's going to be... You, you told me that when we were like directly behind the goal where like, there's no security on that one. Uh, uh, <laughs> I could have gone there like, and hugged him. Yeah, you could definitely do yeah. that, actually. No, my, my whole thing that I'm really looking forward to is I am full in on Dane St. Clair, like fantasy fan fiction where I have ideas in my head where he's going to become the goalkeeper of the year. And then he's going to somehow take over the starting spot because uh, what's his name? Their normal Canadian start uh, goalkeeper Mexican is going to get Kripo. injured. Who's like 36. Yeah. And then he'll come in instead of uh, whatever the guy is from LAFC and Kripo. he'll just kill it. And he's just going to like take them to like the quarterfinals and it's going to be amazing. And so that's like my like, fan fiction ideas of like what I want to see from Dane St. Clair. And it's all going to come because he is the goalkeeper of the year from Minnesota and just like saving our asses. Like we're going to get like at least a solid, like half dozen matches that like we don't deserve to win, but Dane St. Clair will win them for us. Um, Keenan Humphrey asks, this is like a weekly question. Someone like people are obsessed with what blackmail Abu Dinladi has over Adrian Heath. I don't know, man. You got to ask Harrison. Should we, should we do our fan fiction? Believes. I think Corey has a great one. Corey, what's your fan fiction believe? For for the team? Oh, what what does Delati have on Heath? That's why he keeps on starting. Um probably that uh Adrian Heath uh has a Franzia of the month subscription. <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah. Heath was probably caught in a trap while wearing a uh, United track suit playing slap the bag in his office by himself. Wow. Yeah. I see um, that. Uh, Dan yeah. J official <laughs> says, what metric is Dr. Bill waiting for to make a change at manager? Um, I'll just, I'll say it's, it's too early for Heath out, man. I, I gotta just tell you guys, um, Heath has been an okay manager. And the problem is, Everything is just okay, okay. at Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that makes for some bad soccer. And I, I, you connect that to the previous question of what, else, what other hopes do you have for this season? I really hope this team looks at the Open Cup and says, hey, guys, season has not looked good. We don't have a full stadium right now. We should really get a trophy. Like the Open Cup, winning the Open Cup would be a huge deal. I know that like... No one really cares about it unless they do care about it. Um, but you can sell that to the media. You can tell them we're in a trophy. Uh, we're going to win this trophy, and it's something. And um, also, when it comes to trophies, size matters. And I'm pretty sure that the Open Cup trophy is larger than the MLS Cup trophy because it, it, it's more it's more American. My yeah. uh, fan fiction <laughs> that I think tests. I posted on on Twitter was uh, Doctor Bill. What's actually going to like? The 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 straw that will break Dr. Bill's back is uh, when Adrian Heath is responsible for the MLS All-Stars losing to Liga MX 
And that's what is going to be the final straw for Dr. Oh, Billy. He's yeah. going to be like, this was unacceptable. Yeah, we lose like eight to nil. Yeah. Um, I'll just he gets finish. fired at halftime and then gets hired by <laughs> yes. Liga MX. Gets hired by Liga MX to coach the other side. <laughs> Um, let's let's finish on this at Markness Visible. Um, he has an haik, a haiku. My first touch is poor, but home is where the heath is. So yes, I will start. Yes, that's a great haiku. Um, he says, let's, a lot inspired, so. "Let us assume they continue to struggle and stay around tenth. At what point should the regular season become all about playing the young players?" Um, I don't. I just don't think that we have that many young players to play. Um, right. I think that we. I would love to that game when we had two spots on the bench. Aziel Jackson should be called up for that. I would love to see that guy get mm-hmm. ten minutes. I think that he's still rough, and and it may be. It's really hard to gauge the the reserves league. It may be that Aziel Jackson is is his ceiling is really. I'm going to be a standout USL championship player, but he is fun to watch in that level. Those, those reserve games, I was surprised at how fluid and fun, especially the first 20 minutes were Minnesota were like pinging the ball around and it was like going to goal. And it was, it was not, um, it was not like kicking the ball long and at some point, which is some, sometimes what you see on these. And and, and that's the, like, I, I don't know enough about, the contracts with the MNUFC two players to know how you can call them up into the first team. Do I look um, like Jeff Reuter to you? No, I definitely don't. No, I don't. no, we can ask no, Jeff. Not at all. Yeah, yeah. we, can, you know, but I, I think that has something to do with it because it's like, I think he deserves a call up. I mean, at this point, Heath has already thrown the players under the bus in his last report from Andy Greeter, where he's like, we, we need some personnel changes. Yeah, bring up one of the kids, throw them in, see what happens. Let's go nuts. Yeah, against LA Galaxy. That'll work out well. That'd be awesome. Yeah, why not? Let's go. I mean, they got a 16-year-old, right? Or 17-year-old? Efrain, right? Alvarez? <laughs> it's very different, but yes, they do. <laughs> I mean, might as well just throw another. I mean, here's the thing. Going back to Christian's question, what besides the Open Cup, for me, uh, and the bong eagle for me is is just, I've enjoyed watching those loons games. I've really even enjoyed watching not only because we get to see players that we've been talking that they need playing time, get some actual playing time, and then you get to be able to see, um, you know, Fred, uh, Zeal Jackson, Justin McMaster, all these players that need that need that need that playing time to to stay sharp or get better. And I just, I really want to see what this team will look like. This those losing team will look like with Patrick Weah in it when he comes back healthy. I mean, that's just Weah and Kibinguchi were fun. in uh, were in attendance at the MNUFC two game. So I didn't. I I almost went and said hi to them, but I was like, uh, I don't know. Let's leave these guys. Have a nice, nice afternoon. Speaking of, I hope that you have a nice afternoon, morning, evening, something. Um, thanks everyone. This has been fun. We'll uh, we'll do this again next week and talk about two games again. Hopefully, one of them is good. Maybe two of them will be good. Otherwise, um, we'll see you soon at one of these games. And uh, you're beautiful. You're sexy, and everyone loves you. <laughs>